You're listening to a podcast of New Covenant Church. Join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in Pompano. We are in Matthew chapter 6. We are going to be in Matthew chapter 6 for the foreseeable future all the way through February as we are looking at a very specific portion of Scripture We are spending the next several weeks on prayer, specifically the Lord's Prayer that we find here in Matthew chapter 6. It's verse 9 through 13. And each week we're going to take a portion of this prayer. We're going to talk about it and unpack it a little bit and hopefully help you and strengthen you as as you uh, grow in your relationship with the Lord and as you grow in prayer. And so I'm going to, each week, we're going to read through the prayer, and I thought it would be nice from time to time, and today would be one of those times for us to say it together. And so if you don't have a Bible, that's okay, but there's going to be a, uh, we'll get there. <laughs> there's going to be scripture on the, on the screens for you, and then there's Bibles also in and around your seats, and so if that's uh, something you need, we would love for you to follow along in the scripture. So we are going to stand together as we read God's word. And we're going to start in verse 9, and I would just encourage you to read it out loud with me if you feel comfortable. So verse 9, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from Let's pray. Well, Father, we thank you. We thank you for for the gift of prayer. We thank you for how you've met with us already today. God, would you continue to work in us, change us. God, let this prayer be a, a blueprint, not just for our prayer life, but for our lives and how we live each day. Help us now, God, to be changed by your word, to be strengthened equipped so that we would go from this place today and make a difference in the world around us. We love you, God, and we pray that your word would go go forth today in power. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. So I have, uh, I've been in in ministry in one form or another for a while. Uh, So my early 20s started off doing youth ministry and music and other areas at a different church. And so it's been my main vocation for most of my adult life. But on the side, there has been uh, another passion, a hobby of mine that uh, I've been able to engage in pretty consistently for, for most of my life and my adult life, and that is the area of fitness. Uh, exercise, weightlifting, nutrition, all that. I've been uh, on the side, you know, personal trainer. Uh, I've also coached uh, CrossFit for the last seven years as, again, a bit of a a side hobby um, where I've been able to incorporate it into my life and I've been able to just work at at a gym for a few hours a week, minimal money, but a lot of opportunity for me to just engage with the community and to engage in an area that I love to engage in, and, and it's, been, it's been awesome. And one of, the, one of the common problems I have encountered when 
helping other people in, in this particular area is, and this is, and you're going to hear, this goes into all areas of life, but in, in fitness for sure, whether it's exercise, nutrition, it's, it's starting. How we start. It's hard. It's, it, it, either people wait to start, and so we, sometimes even at our gym, people are like, yeah, I just don't feel like I'm in shape yet enough to go to the gym. It's like, I don't think you're understanding what we're doing there. Like, we're not, it's not, like, we will help you with that very thing. That's part of it. So sometimes people procrastinate starting, or when they start, and unfortunately this is often a problem with my gender, uh, we want to start, but we want to start all in and be exactly where we want to be, you know, at, at day one. And so we often have to tell people when they come in, like, listen, you just need to listen to us and slow down. You're going to kill yourself because if you don't do this. And so you'll get people trying to lift more weight than they should, people trying to do more than they ought to at, the, at that moment. And, you know, we have to slow them down. We have to help. Where we start is crucial for all things in life, really how we start, where we start. And it's maybe one of the most important things that we do when taking on something new or something important. Starting well sets us up for success. And I know that starting can be overwhelming. And we often have a hard time starting because it can feel so overwhelming. We like shortcuts. We like to skip around the process, right? I mean, that's why if you want to lose weight, there's a million ways that they will, you know, products out there that will say, lose as much weight as you want. It'll cost you nothing. You don't have to exercise. You don't have to, you can eat whatever you want. And you're just going, you're, you're just lying. You're lying because it does not work like that. It does not happen. You have to start and you have to start the right way and you have to start somewhere. We had uh, about five or six uh, women in our church run uh, half marathon yesterday at Disney. They went to Disney World, and um, a couple of them are here today. We actually had one, one, one girl, one of our women, Kelsey, she ran the half marathon yesterday, and then she's running the marathon today, full. So 13 yesterday, 26 today. Big deal, yes, you gotta give it. Not to, you know, that's, don't start there. Okay? That's not where you start. How you start, whether you're training for a marathon, whether you're starting for a diet, whether you're starting a new job, whatever it is, how you start is so important. You see, we're talking about prayer for the next couple months. And prayer, just like anything else, can be overwhelming at times. It can be scary. It can be confusing. It, it can seem like something that is, it, it, it seems simple, but when you start to engage in it, it can feel, you can feel very disconnected. And part of even thinking about prayer is starting to think about, okay, well, how do I start? What does starting look like? You see, we're using the Lord's Prayer, which we find in Matthew 6, we call it the Lord's Prayer because this is kind of the, it's the way that Jesus taught us to pray. And we're starting with this because 
it is, it's a model, it's a foundation, it's a blueprint for us. It's one of the, the clearest instructions that we get from Jesus in all the Bible. He, he says, when you pray, pray like this, and he lays it out. It's very rare that Jesus lays something out so clearly where he's not using stories to explain it or other things. He says, pray like this, so he doesn't leave us guessing. And what's even better is when we pray this model prayer, it's, there is an order to it. There is a definite starting point. There is a continuing through it, and there is an ending point. And that's what we're going to talk about today is this starting point. Where does Jesus start us off? How does he want us to start? You see, we're, we're in this sermon, okay? Matthew 5, 6, 7, we have what's called the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus, his, his, famous, his most famous sermon. He gets up to teach the people on what it means to live as a follower of, of God. I would encourage you, okay, we are, we're, we're taking this one portion of the Sermon on the Mount, but I would encourage you, read the whole Sermon on the Mount. If you want to know, if you're new to the Christian faith in any way, shape, or form, and you want to understand a little bit of what it means to follow Christ, this is a, it's an interesting place to start. It gives us the whole picture of what it means to, to be a follower of Christ and how we deal with the emotions of the heart and how we deal with people, how we deal with the things that we do and the ways that we should think. And right in the middle of this amazing sermon, he gives us this prayer. And he tells us that we need to pray, that prayer needs to be a central part of our lives. And he says, when you pray, don't let it be genuine. He says, let it be genuine. Let it be real. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't live like the hypocrites who, who want to make a show of it, and they just pray lots of words, and they, they, they're praying loud on the street corners, or when they get in a church, they, they speak loudly so everybody can see them. They're always grabbing on to others to let them know how holy they are. He's like, look, that's not genuine prayer. That's not the way I want you to think about prayer as a whole. He says, when you pray, this is more about your relationship with God. This is more about you connecting with the God of the universe. And so he says, I want you to go into your room. I want you to shut the door. I want you to get quiet, get alone, and talk to your father. It's meant to bring us closer to God. That is really what prayer at its foundation is. We connect to God. We connect to the one who has everything. And last week, we talked about all of that, and we talked about how prayer is a, is a faith activity because we don't see what's happening. We want to see what's happening. We wish, we wish we could see the words go up, and there would be a, you know, a scoreboard up there telling us, all right, God, here's your waiting list here. God heard your prayer, and now he's going to answer in you know, five minutes or 10 minutes or one year. We wish it could be like that, but that's not it. It's a faith activity. It's not about just feeling, and it's an investment, right? We talked about that, that it's, it's, it's a giving, a pouring in, and investing now for things that are happening later. We want instant gratification. God says, no, no, I, I want you to invest in prayer. I want you to take time because it's an act of devotion. It's not just this is what you do as a Christian. You pray and you fill out, you check off the boxes. No, it's, it's a time 
for us to really engage with God and because we love him, what he is, who he is and what he's done for us. But where we start with this massively important activity is really important because prayer, prayer is a funny thing. Prayer is, it's elusive, right? We, we think everything we do is prayer. Sometimes we think nothing we do is prayer. We have a hard time grabbing a hold of what prayer is. So many people will, will say things like, oh, I'm praying for you. You're going through that, I'm praying for you. Or maybe you've done that and you had zero intention of praying for them, but you wanted to sound nice. We've all done it. Or maybe the, you've heard this language like, our thoughts are with you. That's the, I, I'm kind of praying for you. Like that's the, I don't really pray, maybe I pray, but I don't want to commit too hard, but I'm going to tell you that I'm thinking a lot about your issues and your needs. And we say, oh, our thoughts are with you. It's amazing, though. When you look at studies and research, people pray. People are praying. There's, depending on which research you look at, but somewhere around half the population, 50 to 60%, admit to, to praying regularly. And it doesn't mean they're praying to the same God that we're talking about today, but people are praying. People want to connect with something bigger than themselves. And if we take a step back and think through Where, where do we start? What's the content of most of my prayers? If you have children, this should be in your mind a lot because you hear them pray back the same things you pray. What's the center of their prayers? What's the center of your prayers? What's the reoccurring language that comes up in your prayers? Are they, are they right? Is it the right focus? That's what we're trying to get at as we talk through prayer for these two months. I said this last week that we, we often pray the Lord's Prayer backwards, right? We, we tend to pray the Lord's Prayer backwards. The end of the Lord's Prayer is what? Deliver us from evil, keep us from temptation, right? It's the cry for help. It's what we most want. We want help. We want life from God. And so typically our prayers, and, and, and again, you hear it as children pray, as God, keep me safe, keep me from danger, keep me from temptation, make sure I get to, you know, traveling mercies. And, and look, there's nothing wrong with praying those things. But if that's always where we start, we're missing the fuller experience of what prayer is meant to be. And yes, we can pray for God to keep us safe, and we're going to get to that. But notice where it falls in the Lord's Prayer. But we tend to go bottom to top, and we start saying, God, help me. And, and, and then we, we, we fill out the picture. We start realizing there are bigger needs, and we go, oh, yeah, that's right, and I need bread for today. And oh, yeah, oh, shoot. And, and God, um, you, you are uh, you're, you're, you're God, and I want your will to be done in my life. And then like, oh, and we get to the top, we realize this is a much bigger activity than just me wanting to have a good day. So where we start, Jesus gives us, he says, pray like this. It's not pray this every time. This is not the prayer, only prayer that you pray in your life. It's a model. It's a, it's a roadmap. It's a foundational element for us. Pray like this. And he starts off with this amazing sentence. Father in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. Father in heaven. That's the starting point. That's the, the starting line for us as we engage in prayer. Our Father in heaven. And maybe you're going, well, when I learned it, it said, our Father who art in heaven. Maybe there's some language that you're hearing differently in this. You understand those are all English translations that have moved from, we speak in a way that, in language that we use, and you're like, well, I don't ever say hallowed, and that's a good point. We don't say hallowed too much in our day. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Our Father in heaven. See, it immediately provokes something in us, right? This this word that jumps out of the page when he starts his prayer, he's using this term, Father. That word actually is used a lot in the Sermon on the Mount. It's one of the first times in the major uh, time frame in Jesus' life where he uses this term. He uses it two times in verse 6. He uses it uh, as an indicator of who God is throughout the Lord's Prayer, before the Lord's Prayer, after the Lord's Prayer. It's a shift. It's a, it's a turn that Jesus is making for us so we can focus our attention on God, not just, not just as God, this being out there, up there, away from us, but something more intimate, that he is Father. And that's the starting point. That's where prayer begins because it sets the stage for everything. It helps us see that the real nature of prayer is more than what we think. It's bigger than what we think. We talked about last week how how genuine prayer isn't just us getting stuff from God. It's us getting more of God. See, we want prayer to be transactional, and God wants prayer to be transformational. We want prayer to be transactional. We want, we want the prayers to go out and the blessings to come in. We, that's just our life. That's what we do every single day. We give money for things and we get something back. And when we give money, if we don't get something back very quickly, we go out of our minds, right? And so we, we want to, to take that paradigm into the life of prayer and it's just not the way. God wants transformation in us. Transformation means I'm doing this because it is the most important thing for me to do and it is going to change me in ways I can't even understand. God wants transformation in us and he gives us prayer as a gift so that we could engage with him and be transformed. Have you thought of prayer like that before? Or is it just that thing at the end of the day where you're like, man, I'm supposed to pray this morning, didn't do it. Get him next time. You see, we get to connect with the God of the universe through prayer and, and not just the God of the universe, but a God that I can call Father and this becomes the starting point for everything that happens in prayer. And what happens, too, when we use this term, Father, is it brings up all kinds of emotions for us. How does the word Father impact you? I put this out on, on social media the last couple of days just to, just to hear some thoughts on what, 
what happens to you when you hear the word father? What happens to you know, us when we hear the word father? Because it brings up all kinds of things, good, bad, happy, sad. It provokes response because we've had a mixed bag of relationships with earthly fathers. And so I saw responses that were positive, like the words strength, thankful, provider, love. And then we saw the other side. When I asked, what is, how does Father impact you? Words that came up were regretful, scared, failure, unreliable. It's a reality. And so here I am saying, when, and Jesus saying, when you start your prayer life, you need to think in terms of Father, and we go, oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know about that. I have zero good experience with a father or my father was the best and I don't seem to, and God doesn't seem to relate to me the same way I had my relationship with my father. There's, it provokes a response no matter which direction you go. It provokes some response in us. There is an emotional attachment that we all have some way, shape, or form to the word father. Fathers have a profound effect on us, both good and bad, and it's why it's so important, right? It, it affects us how our fathers behave, act, think, speak. It matters. My own experience with father, when I think about <clears throat> as a son, from a son's perspective, when I think of father, I, I have some trouble. It's not all positive. It's challenging. It's difficult. But now as a father, man, when I think of father, I get excited. I, I'm a little scared. I get, uh, I, 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 I have, I, I'm, it's much more positive for me as a dad, but it provokes a response. And Jesus uses this term father here and throughout his life because he wants to help us see God is different. He is different fundamentally than all of us and fundamentally from our earthly fathers. There are similarities, but there are lots of differences. God is different. He is different than how we see our earthly fathers. Jesus wants us to see that. He wants us to see that, that God, our Father, is better, much better than the best of them, than the best of us. He is better because he's our father in heaven. See, there's the, there's the turn for us. There's the shift in our thinking. It's a game changer. To show, it's, it's to show us that this father is unlike anything that we know or have here on earth. He's better. He's perfect. He is the starting point and needs to be the starting point for our prayer life. Because when we start thinking, oh, I don't want to pray to Father. I'll call him God, but I don't want to pray to Father because fathers are scary. Fathers are unreliable. Fathers are this. Jesus comes in and says, listen, I understand all that, but I want you to understand God is better. He is different. He is perfect. And here's what he does. And this is what fathers do, parents do in general. They they give us direction and they give us position. They give us direction and they give us position. Okay, earthly fathers do this for good and for bad. 
And our heavenly father does this for good, okay, for real good. Direction, it tells us who we are. It tells us where we're going. Fathers, give us a pathway. And in terms of position, Same thing, who we are, what we're to be, where we're to go. It shows us where we go and who we are. It sets everything in the right perspective. And so we don't, we don't want to look to our earthly fathers for or our earthly mothers or our earthly guardians, whatever that role is. We don't want to look to the failures or the successes of that person. We want to look and focus our attention on God the Father, where Jesus says you need to point your attention on him because he will give you your true value, your true significance. He will show you who you are and where you're to go. And that's hard for us because we value so heavily on what others think and how others view us. But God is saying, I get it, but I, I need you to look at me first and trust me. And if you do that, your priorities, your focus, your attention, it's all going to head in the right direction. So as we think about what this means for us to call God Father, I want, to, I want to give some ideas to hang our thoughts on. To call God Father is a call to priority. Okay, it's a call to priority. See, he's, he's not just Father, he's, he's Father in where? He's Father in heaven. And then we come to that that term that we don't ever say in modern English, hallowed. We don't use this term a lot. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed is your name. So that word hallowed is really important. It's a, it's a holiness word. It means we're going to treat this thing, this name, this person as holy. And what holy means is we set it apart. It's used for something special. Anybody grow up with, with like plastic on the furniture? Right? That's like a real old school thing to do, like old... Old school Italian, my, my grandmother's house had plastic on the furniture. It was only, you could come near it, but you really couldn't touch it. Or, or you had like the good china, no one ever got to use. Or the good crystal, like, oh, that's, that's for special people. Never a special person arose to, to accept the beauty of the crystal or the china. It's not as popular these days, and we have a little more of a hard time. We, we don't set things apart as much these days as special, as significant, and there's probably good and bad in that, but that's it, right? Like, there was a... <laughs> yeah, plastic on the furniture. I... We could go around the room, right? And like you all have your stories of what was allowed, what was set apart for good things, a nice bottle of wine or a nice whatever it was. Like this was only to be broken out in special occasions. See, when we say our Father in heaven, hallowed is your name, hallowed be your name, we're saying that, that God is the object of worship. So when I say priority, that's what I mean. Priority means he is it. He is first. He's only. He is who we pray to. He is who we address in prayer. He is who we worship. There is no one else we pray to. It's God. 
the Father, our Father in heaven, and we treat his name with care, as much care as we gave those special things in our house reserved for special people. God is to be treated with care. He is to be treated with purpose, with a a reverence. The third commandment. You've heard of the Ten Commandments before? There's, there's ten of them. Okay? There's, there's God's law. And this is how God revealed himself to Moses. This is in the Old Testament. And he is passionate about who he is because the first three commandments, first four commandments really, are all about how we're to relate to God and you shall have no other gods before me. Do you remember all of them? This is no idols is the second one. And the third one, right on the heels of that, is this. Don't take my name in vain. Don't treat my name with vanity. Vanity, you know someone who's vain, you know what it means? It means they're empty. It means that all they care about are empty things. So when we say, don't take the Lord's name in vain, we're saying, don't treat God's name as common. He's, he's not Joey. He is God. He's Lord. He is Yahweh. He is holy. And I know, I know that, let me push this pedal down for a minute, because I know we often take a casual approach in other things but I want to make it clear, we don't take lightly the name of God. We don't treat it as though it's just normal, because it's not. It's not normal. It's, he is totally other than us and unlike us in so many ways. He is God. He created the universe. And when we approach in prayer, we are acknowledging, oh, right, this is a serious event. This is God. This is Father. This is someone whose name is to be treated with priority, with care. And it is absolutely the starting point for us. And not just in prayer, but in all of life. We take God's name seriously and we want to treat it as such. And so we want to be careful of how. That's why we care about using the name of God carelessly. And we don't necessarily want to say things that, that diminish how amazing God is. He is to be a priority in our lives. He is to be first, and he is to be worshipped. And that's what the beginning of this prayer teaches us. It gives us calling him Father is a call to priority, but it's also a call to something else. It's a call to community, which is really amazing, okay? So here we have this amazing us to God. He is big. We are small. He's Father. We're not. He is to be treated holy, hallowed, and then it's also a call to community because he's not just... God, Father in heaven, he's what father? He's our father. See, our is an important word there because it's not just me. It's not just me and my dad. This is like us and dad. It is a call to not just be me. Me is a we. We are the family of God, and it is highlighted right there at the beginning of the prayer. Our father we are a family, brothers and sisters, and this will change. Man, this will change your life. This changes how you see the world. It changes how you see other people. It changes how you treat other people. It changes how you see the institutions and the structures that exist in our world. 
We are not looking to them for change in our lives. We're looking to our Father, whose name is to be set apart and holy. I'm gonna call the worship team up as we start heading to an end here. It changes us. See, when we're tempted to marginalize another person or another people group based on whatever criteria you have to think you're better or you are in a position of superiority, it crushes all of that. And Jesus works hard throughout the whole New Testament to to show us this. And the Sermon on the Mount shows us this. And, And the rest of Jesus' teaching point us to understand that we are one and we are united and we are to treat others in the way that we want to be treated. That's that simple golden rule. It's in the Sermon on the Mount. When someone disagrees with you, when someone hurts you, when someone does something better than you, we are reminded and pushed back into this place of saying, all right, this is the family. And we have a father who's who's dealing with all of it. I don't have to take care of my own revenge, my own fight for significance, my own battle for worth. I have a father who has chosen me, who has labeled me child, who has labeled me son, who has labeled me daughter, and all the earthly failings of my father or my mother or guardians in my life, I have a different relationship with this father. He is better. He is perfect. And what this does is it pushes us not only to priority and community, it pushes us to humility. And if there's a way that we can end on, there's nothing you remember other than this, this is going to help you in life more than most. Calling God as Father is a call to humility. Why? Because it shows that we're what? Children. We are children. Before we're anything else, before you are a, whatever your job is, whatever your family relationship is, whatever your bank account says, you are a child. And now as adults, we don't like, we don't ever want to be called children because it rubs up against us, right? I mean, one of the hardest things as, as growing into an adult and still having earthly parents is you're trying to figure out how to live as a, as a child, but also as an adult, as your own person. So we're thrust back into that no matter how old we are. We are children. We are children. And when we are children, see, this is where it helps us to understand our position and our direction. We are children. That's why this starting point is so important because here's what it does. As children, it means that, it means we are to submit. So it means submission, which we don't like to do. We wanna hold on to control. We wanna hold on to life the way we want it. And so when God says, you know, you're, you're, you're my child, that means we are automatically engaging in a, in a role of submission, which is hard. It means that we're not only submission, but we're, that we are, we're needy. It's another thing we don't want to be known as. We don't want to be known as needy, but we are needy. It's, it's, prayer is us coming to dad because he's got everything. He's got the money. He's got the keys to the car. He's got the bank account. And we're going, God, dad, I, I, need, I need some, I need provision. Or I'm a mess. 
I'm scared, I'm lonely, I'm depressed. It's an admission that we are needy. We're, we have brokenness in us that causes us to need who God is. And what it means is that we are out of control. We do not have control over our life and we have to trust in God, our Father. Look at what Tim Keller says. He says, prayer is the way to experience a powerful confidence that God is handling our lives well. That our bad things will turn out for good, our good things cannot be taken from us, and the best things are yet to come. Do you believe that? You believe God's handling your life well when you go to God and say, my Father, our Father, you're communicating that. I trust you. I'm needy. I'm submitting to your way. And we're going to talk more about like your kingdom come, your will be done. But that's where we are at here. And Jesus was a model of this. He was the perfect model. That's why when he says our father, Jesus is identifying not just God as father, but with us as brothers and sisters. He's the big brother, the firstborn. And he's saying our father in heaven. And when Jesus was crying out on the cross, he was being crucified. And he says, father, forgive them. He's modeling this, this humility. When he's crying out in the garden before the cross, he's saying, Father, is there another way? Is there, can this cup pass from me? He's, he's showing his need and his submission to the Father, his humility. And the only time that we see Jesus pray where he doesn't call God Father is the moment when he there was a separation that happens and he says, why, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He doesn't say father. And I think it's because of this, that, that Jesus in that moment lost the relationship with the father so that we could gain that relationship with the father. He took the punishment that our sin deserved he paid the price so that God could be our Father. That drives us to worship. That drives us to devotion. That drives us to prayer. And so the next time we say our Father, we can just soak in a lot of things, a lot of depth, more than just a, a, a routine. So when we come to God in prayer and you're saying, well, how does this look like in my normal prayer? Look, we go to God and the first things out of our mouth is, God, Father, Lord, you are everything. You are amazing. You are my God. Before we jump into, and help me have a good day, we start with this hallowing, this setting apart, God, you are so big, so amazing. You are my father. I love you. Thank you. Church, let's stand together. Our father, you are amazing that you would love us. We bring nothing. We're kids coming 
to dad and saying, we're needy, we're broken, and we submit to your life, your plan, who you are. And God, thank you that when you save us, when you bring us into that family, that, that you, you push us to a place of trust and hope. Because even in our brokenness, we have strength in you. We have new life in you. We grow in you. And I pray, Lord, that you would make this more real to us every single day. That our prayers would never be the same. Help us now to sing the song of your life, your greatness in faith. May it strengthen all that we've heard today. Pray in Christ's name.